All right, so before we start, I want you to do a little thought experiment with me. Just, it's simple, don't worry about it. I want you to think back to all the things that you did when you were 11 years old. Take your time, just run that highlight reel of when you were 11, and remember all those things that you did as an 11-year-old person in the world. You did a lot, right? Swim team, sleepovers, going to the movies with your friends, hanging out. I know, I, I did all that stuff too. So I can share that experience with you. But my guest today on the program, well, when he was 11, he wasn't doing any of the things that we did. Why? Well, because he was too busy releasing his first album and playing with Wynton Marsalis. You know, kid stuff. <laughs> Thinking about it now, it makes my fifth grade spelling bee win of 1981 seem pretty lame. I'm trying to think back to what the winning word was. I think I remember it. This is going to date me. Luganus. Use it in a sentence? Greg Luganus was a super rad diver. But I digress. Let's get to the show, because my guest today on the program is only 20 now, and his resume is way more packed now that almost a decade has passed. He's performed for Barack Obama, Herbie Hancock. He's got a Grammy nomination. I'll get to all this stuff in a second. But trust me when I say this guy is busy and he's not even 21. You'll find out who it is in about 21 seconds. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. of my guest today on the program, Joey Alexander. Let me tell you a little bit about Joey Alexander. Don't feel bad if Joey Alexander has made you feel a little inferior about your childhood achievements. You did just fine. Joey's from outer space. Let's just work with that. The Indonesian-born pianist taught himself to play at age six, and he was flawlessly covering Thelonious Monk before he was in first grade. Because of the paucity of jazz opportunities at home, Alexander sat in with the top jazz players in Bali and Jakarta. At eight, he played for Herbie Hancock. At nine, he won the Grand Prix at the 2013 Master Jam Fest in Odessa. And by 10, his family had moved to New York City so he could have more playing opportunities. After catching the attention of Wynton Marsalis, Alexander made his U.S. debut at Marsalis's annual gala, playing Monk's Round Midnight. And the next day... Nothing was the same. Hailed as being a genius by the New York Times and Downbeat Magazine, from there, Alexander's career took right off. He's played for ex-presidents like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. He snagged a Grammy nomination, put out six perfect albums, including his brand new one, Continuance. Played shows all over the world, from Copenhagen to Montreal to the Apollo Theater in Harlem. And he was nominated as Music Scholar by the T. Washington Scholars Program. Bear in mind, this is all just a partial list. At 20 years old, Alexander is now more than just a prodigy. He's a band leader. And Continuance is a perfect example of his maturity as a player. Filled with arrangements that are windswept, jaunty, and achingly precise, Alexander's talent is one of those rare and expansive things. He's commanding, he's elegant, and he's got the kind of rhythmic finesse that can only come from the cosmos. As a result... Continuance floats with beauty and grace. It's a stunning album. 
Let's chat with him, shall we? Here you go. Here's me and Joey Alexander having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Love coming to California. You know, I've been to San Francisco, Oakland, and sometimes like in the south, southern part. Like I've been to Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, I've been to all different places. I actually played at this uh, Mundavi Center. I played there too, the UC Davis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been all over the place. <laughs> You're a well-traveled guy for for your age. You have been around the world. Um, is travel good for the for the musician's brain? Like, are when you're traveling, is it does it give you the downtime to kind of think about music in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you if you weren't traveling and had that time? It actually happens when I'm when I'm not traveling. That's when you know I started to think about you know the music more because when you're traveling, you all you're thinking about is getting to the next place, and then you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not great for the creative brain. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's it's a pro, pros and cons, but it's great that I get to play. You know. Right. Yeah, this is a great thing for us. You know, we get to play for people. It gives us stimulating. How does a guy like you, if you're if you're traveling, what does that do to? Because you strike me as somebody who's very disciplined. When you're traveling, I would imagine that gets in the way of your routine of being able to practice is that how do you handle that so far i'm enjoying it you know performing is for us you know it's such it's the most uh beautiful thing that we as artists can do is to share the music and even though practice you know we all do practice but when we're not practicing when we're performing is i I think of it as practicing too but while performing live with the musicians is how you kind of test the music that I practice at home and I try it you know for the public if you're home and you're not on tour what is your your daily discipline do you find that you're somebody who you play every day I would imagine I'm not big into practicing I do practice yeah and uh actually I was I just came back from a trip uh, from Bali, Indonesia, for two months, and in Bali there was not there was there was no place to practice, especially like a piano. It was hard to find. So sometimes, you know, there are times that I don't practice at all. But uh, because for me, in my uh, for personally, I don't have like a routine or or regimen. But of course, a lot of things I work on can be a song or it can be some technique that I'm working on. Or sometimes, or when I practice with a band, like I, I try to always work on things like the tempo of the song. You know, those simple things sometimes we miss out, but they do matter those details. And so it's not. I always tell people it's not how long I practice, it's what I practice and how I use the time to really work on the you know, essentials, the, the important stuff that I can do better. So you don't have to be in front of a piano to work on technique? Well, you do have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought so. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> no. But, you know, I was just giving you a kind of a story, you know, like sometimes there are some places that, you know, like in Bali, they don't have a piano. Well, I mean, the U.S. of course, you know, the uh, piano, so it's it really works better for me, I guess, while I'm here in the U.S. and while I'm performing, you know, that's the best thing is I get to test test out or work on the music 
And so it's always fun for me when I get to perform, especially my own compositions, because when I'm practicing too, that's when the songs, you know, they start to uh, appear or the ideas start to come when I'm practicing. So of course I do practice and that's how I find you know, this is kind of my creative process when I compose the music. I know other musicians like say if you play a harp or if you play a stand-up bass, those are not portable. <laughs> those aren't portable instruments, just like a piano. But I imagine a guitar player has an advantage because they can take their guitar with them yes. on a train I, or on right. Yeah. So exactly. You just chose a big instrument. Yeah, it's just uh well I always say that instrument chose me <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i know i mean a harmonica seems incredibly portable too but this is this is the instrument that chose you is there stuff also like on a is there software like on a for a, on a laptop where you can work on compositions you know just as a way of fiddling around with a keyboard yeah well i know a lot of my friends they do that uh i guess i've yet to do that you know when i don't have you know, a piano in front of me. Or, you know, I think the best way is to maybe like buy like a note or sound like a keyboard. Yeah. I haven't thought about this, but just for me to riff around and kind of work on stuff. I know a lot of musicians do that, you know, they travel, like they have a keyboard with them and before they do a gig. <laughs> how How hard yeah. are you in terms of if you do a performance because I'll talk to a lot of bands and they'll say that after the show, they'll talk about the performance and sort of evaluate it. Some people don't need to do that. They they know um, how to debrief in their own brains if they're a solo performer. But for you, when you play a show, are you critical of yourself where you go, oh boy, I could have done that part better? Or like, what is your, your post-show routine? Yeah, I think I have that. All of us is... Uh leaders of you know as we have a band of our own we have the mindset that or individually that there are things that we can do better in certain parts but also we're only human beings sometimes you know it's okay if things don't go to plan sometimes you know music especially in jazz and when that happens we learn from that and then we try to do better so you're not hard on yourself. You, you you recognize you're a human being. You make mistakes. Yeah, I don't think people should be hard on themselves. But of course, it's always to be uh, critical to yourself. And also even to the musicians too. So they, they know some things that you want. So they know what you want them to uh, to play, you know. The detail, especially when it comes to my own, own compositions, it's important to kind of be on the lookout or always, always listen. I think the most important thing is if you listen, you, you, all of the things will fall into the right place. As a band leader, have you become, uh, I guess you have to be very um, communicative. You have to sort of be able to to share your ideas and and listen right. and be patient with other people has stepping up as kind of a band leader has it helped you become more of a collaborative artist and has it helped you in terms of communicating your ideas to other people have you become pretty good at that because that seems kind of like a hard thing to do yeah yeah i think we all share the same challenges uh you know stressing out our ideas and what we want in our music. Uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's critical. There's a critical point when the hardest thing is, you know, when people come and see my concerts, you know, they don't know what's behind the music, like how, how to, how the process, how the music kind of comes into this, you know, well, a performance, you know, how do you build the performance or build the arrangement, the compositions. So yeah, when I do a rehearsal, you know, 
I think that that's the critical point when I express the ideals and how what I want in the song, the tempo, like all those things. Sometimes they are maybe they don't mean anything to some, but they're important to me. You know the tempos because sometimes when we do a live show, the tempos change because in jazz, you know, we can change tempos sometimes too slow, too fast, all those things. So I really learned a lot about myself, you know, what I can do. But the feel of the song for me is all about feel. When you style on the light track, the light feel, everything just, you know, magical happens when you have the light feel. And when it comes to the musicians that I play with, I always give them a room to also lend their voices to contribute. Because in jazz, you know, you're going to come up with something creative. Yeah. So that's important to me. That's that I want the musician to also, you know, step up when, you know, whatever it is that the energy maybe may not seem great, but for us, we always try to bring the best uh, performance or the best music that we can bring. Does the tempo change on stage by accident? Like suddenly you're like, uh-oh, it was supposed to be this and now it's that and then you have to adapt? Yeah, it's something like that. It happens. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's okay. You know, it's just, it's part of the, I think it's, it's that I always tell people is the in, imperfection. Sometimes it allows you to, to adapt. And then, of course, I think once we find the right, tempo you know we can stick with it you know stick with the same feel try to uh can we create those moments when we find that same uh when we, we're in the zone you know we just feel good about it you know when it's right so you might have an agreed upon pace and then on stage like wow that's a little faster than we agreed on so everyone has to step up a little bit is that is that kind of what might happen yeah people wow. you know they will follow what i just you know what is just did and sometimes yeah it works out you never know yeah. and it's it's um what's interesting is that it's an unspoken it's not a it's not a verbal language it's a musical language where it's like in order for everyone to lock in together it's like well that guy's playing faster than i thought he'd play so everyone kind of just picks it up and and then meets him where he is right yeah and yes and we sometimes we get lost in the moment but i guess the important thing is how you find your way back to the same place where in the same place meaning you know the song because you know there's a composition uh so that's kind of what we i guess i'm sharing with you those are the challenges as leaders that we share you know, when we uh when we play on the bandstand and that's something that happens because maybe somebody's nervous or maybe someone didn't get enough sleep, but there's all these different variables as to why the tempo can change, right? Oh yeah, it can be lack of sleep or it's just maybe, you know, when you have a new musician, this happens a lot to everybody in your band or new drummer. And sometimes, or actually like, yeah, to lack of sleep or maybe ate too much. <laughs> that can <Right>. happen. <laughs> Yeah, or someone but, you know, maybe yeah. they had a fight with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or some, anything, right? Yeah, you know, all these things come to play. But sometimes, yeah, we get nervous, especially when they say nervous because they're professionals. But when I say nervous, meaning you know, it's their first time performing the music, so they don't get themselves in tune with the song. That that happens too. And so, yeah, sometimes I see that in a musician. I can tell that he's not really in tune with my songs. But, you know, it's okay. Because, you know, sometimes it's the first time for that musician to... Because everybody has uh, different ways or approach to music. I always appreciate that. And so I I'm always open to see what that musician can bring to the table. Maybe it's something I like or something that I don't like. You sound like the nicest band leader ever. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but uh, 
you know, I try to be uh, critical and just be aware of what the music can go. And so, but yeah, I guess I, you know, I try to be a good listener. I guess that's that's what I can do really as Swedos. You know, in order to speak your mind, you also have to be a good listener. I'm just curious how where you are with other instruments. Have you dabbled in other instruments besides the piano? I always appreciate all instruments, but you know, because piano is such a you know, it takes years of uh, practice and years of learning about that one instrument and to be good at is really hard enough at the piano or any instrument really and so yeah i guess i always love the drums (laughs) just the rhythm and a lot of people kind of think that piano is a percussive instrument there's that lineage but uh yeah i guess i always love the drums you know the rhythm I always like to follow the beat. So it's kind of just for fun, you know, when I play drums, but no, I don't really play other instruments. <laughs> I only ask because I, I've interviewed several musicians who've told me that yeah. if they decide to pick up a ukulele or whatever it might be, that it helps their brain if they sort of do a kind of cross training. Um, mm, I hear you. Yeah. Know. Uh, yeah, maybe in the future, maybe I. Sp- let myself you know spend time with different instruments but you know since when like when i'm on tour you know i just kind of focus on what i'm kind of good at and just kind of try to do better you're right though like nobody asks lebron james if he plays other sports you know it's like it's, it's the thing that you do right it's kind of a silly a silly question but i do know that sometimes if you leave your discipline and then come back to it with having ventured in another direction, it can almost reinform your understanding of your own instrument or enhance it, I guess, maybe. Or even just focus on one. It also, uh, you know, it helps you to appreciate it more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is piano, do you think it's sort of a, is an unmasterable instrument? And that's sort of the, like any instrument, it's not possible to be a master of it, but you just keep trying. Is that is that sort of a, a way to think about it? Yes, I feel like all we can do is just uh, keep trying, you know, be better than you were yesterday. And so, yeah, all of us are sharing that same uh, goal. What is your, in terms of the way you listen to music, if you if you hear a song and there is piano in the song, does your brain focus in on that piano element in the song or can you listen to the song and not pull it apart in your head? Like, say you're just hearing something on Spotify or someone's playing something when you walk into a room or when you walk into a grocery store, does your brain immediately pick up the piano part? Or can you listen just as a as an objective fan who hears the whole composition? Uh, yeah, I would. Yes, yeah, interesting. I would say it's both. I can admire a piece of music just by listening. And if I like the song, I guess I play on the piano is is I guess it's both. <laughs> yep. Can you pick stuff out? If you hear something, can you instantly figure it out? Uh no, I wouldn't say instantly. You know, I will have to let it play out just a little bit. Like I have to play it over like two or three times just to get it in my head. If I really like it. If I really like the the music from that one artist. Um, yeah, so I don't really pick up right away. So I want I want to look at it in if I'm looking at it in detail, you know, I have to kind of play along with the song. Sometimes I used to do that uh, as I was learning how to play with musicians. I would play along with that musicians. Let's say it can be a recording or a live recording. So I imagine myself as if I'm in that band. So I always try to create that uh, situation. So yeah, I get this. Actually, that's the way I used to practice. I don't, not a lot of people practice this way, but it helps me to, yeah, to be a better listener.
something and then think like okay how do i how do i dive into that and, and do that myself and that's a great way to sort of apply listening with with application yeah and i apply that to my live performances even while it's different from hearing a recording but yeah i imagine myself because that's the way i used to practice i used to kind of play along the music or play along with the music or whatever that is, whatever the music is, and then I apply it to my live performances. Are you attracted to other kinds of music that are outside the jazz genre? Like, you know, would hip hop, which is a really percussive um, genre of music or um, house music or whatever, or reggae, do you find yourself listening to, to music that's not, maybe stuff that people might be surprised that you that you would listen to? Yeah, I always uh, admire, you know, artists from different genres. Uh, of course, I listen to some hip hop and gospel music. Uh, some, you know, just by hearing artists like Michael Jackson, you know, there's a lot of rhythm to his uh, the way he sings. It's just this this rhythm in it, and so yeah, always listening to rock music you know especially probably one of them would be like Van Halen I used to listen to Van Halen and I still do sometimes when I want to hear a different sound of music and so yeah I do appreciate our, you know other music that has rhythm and so yeah I always when I play music I always want to have the rhythm in my music and so yeah what was it, or what is it about Van Halen that, um, that that sort of makes your brain happy? Like, what is it about that? I love them too. What what is it that you admire about that band? Everything they do is just to I don't know how I say it's to perfection. I mean, it's not perfect, you know. Nobody's perfect, but it's just it's so, you know, it's just everything just falls to the right place and so musical. I guess it's just. It's beautiful music, uh, which I can describe it, but it's just beautiful. And how Van Halen plays is amazing. So inventive. And nobody has ever played or like him ever since. Or before Van Halen or after. So nobody has ever played like him. So that's that to me, I always like that originality. And so I always appreciate that. It's such a guitar-based band. Um, but you recognize the sort of the virtuoso, the ridiculousness of his talent is is exactly. very clear to you. Oh yeah, of course we we all can see it, and the way he comes up with great melodies. Also, I, I see that too, and that's 
that makes the great artist, you know, when he comes up with this uh, great melodies because all the songs are iconic, you know, people still sing it today. I remember back in 1984 um, when the, the album 1984 came out and Eddie Van Halen was playing uh, keyboards and it was like, that was like a controversial thing. People were like, what is he doing playing keyboards? Um, but I think he was quite good at it. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the same thing that guy couldn't have done, but I remember in the video for Jump, he's he's playing keyboards, and it was like for all of us metal fans, it was like uh, it was blasphemy. But looking back now, I mean, he was quite adept at the instrument. Yeah, I think as artists, you know, we uh, we want to challenge ourselves and see where this you know instrumentation or where the music will lead to. And sometimes you get out of your uh, comfort zone or comfort level. And you know, it applies to jazz too. We get out of our comfort level and we you know, challenge ourselves. And by doing that, we also challenge the audience. It's probably too soon in your career to think about this, but have you thought about doing a kind of genre-defying album where you would do, I mean, I don't know what it would be. Like, I'm not saying you'd make a reggae album, but have you thought about sort of crossing genres or at least fusing some some genres together you know what i always feel like um i mean i'm this point where i have found my uh my sound and i'm gonna uh, continue to do that is by building my body of work my own compositions and so i don't feel i don't have to get out from what I'm doing now, mm. kind of stick to my plane, uh, my my lane, I guess, as I was trying to say, trying to focus on my lane, but also challenging myself musically, uh, pushing myself and discovering things that I don't know by composing my own music and see how people will react to them. I'm always curious when I do live shows to see how will people respond to my music. I'm always curious because we're instrumentalists and it's always that challenge, I think, when we bring new material. Does it feel different to play one of your own songs versus one that somebody else wrote? Is there a vulnerability in, in exposing that to the world? I always appreciate playing you know, the music uh, from the past, but I've always, enjoy more as I've been performing you know this past years performing my own music it has I think I find my footing as a, a composer and I always feel like I I take this uh, I take pride in performing and showcasing my talent by showcasing my compositions and that's how I share my sound with with the world is by sharing this body of work and I've been fortunate to record my music with great musicians and now they have my new album called Continuance also they kind of is that the cycle how that cycle continues the evolution of me as a composer so that's kind of the God I'm aiming for, and it's, I hope that people will uh, see that and will you know, enjoy it along with me. This question is going to reveal to you that I'm no musician, um, but the Bonnie Raitt cover, when I heard that song, when it first came out, my thought was, oh, that's a really simple song, right? I just thought it didn't sound very, I know she's a brilliant musician, but it didn't sound particularly complex when the song first okay. hit all those years ago but i'm guessing i'm wrong about that there's some i will say complex but there's some uh depth to the well of course you might have read about the story behind it but uh the music itself is not as easy as people might think especially coming from jazz you know we play a lot of hard stuff. You know, we play a lot of music that has complexity, but also 
when you have a song like that, you know, like Bonnie Wade, it has that, uh, you know, I, I feel there's some jazz chords. I wouldn't say it's a jazz song, but it has those very, really well thought uh, harmonies and the way the composer, you know, the way music is played is pretty sophisticated, I would say, uh, for, you know, in, for that genre. So, yeah, I guess when they say how people have different levels of, you know, when they say it's a hard song, because when you can take a simple song into something beautiful, this is, you know, people just like it. And so that's why when I hear a song like Bonnie Wade, it, it just speaks to me because as instrumentalists, we always in search of great melodies and great harmonies. That's what comes first. And then, you know, I learn more about what's behind the song, what's the song is trying to say and all those things. Is it true that that a slow song or a slower song presents a totally different challenge on the piano than a faster song? Uh, yeah, I think it applies to everybody. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think slow songs help you to play more uh, with clarity than, you know, fast tempo uh song of course yeah i think is so be because there's there's more space between the notes is that what it that yes kind of yeah when you play ballads you know, there's space for yourself and the musicians because when you play fast everybody's just in this high intensity sometimes it's hard to you know have that space for yourself or for the other musician to kind of just catch your breath <laughs> What made you decide with the Bonnie Raitt song? I mean, it's it's an interesting inclusion. Um, what made you, I mean, obviously you, you love the song, right? But what made you decide to include that on on this album over say one of your own compositions instead? Uh, yeah, I've been doing this a few times. And so I would put in one song that I like from an artist, like let's say Bonnie Raitt. And then, yeah. So is I always like to bring in one song that connects with people and that uh, even though it's instrumental, but by doing that, I can reach out to audiences that they, they may not know jazz, but when they hear the song, they can connect because maybe they used to listen to that song during college or who knows, you know. Right. Um, comes back to those times. Early on, you made this decision to embark on a musical career. Do you feel that was a conscious choice or that also just that the universe kind of just found you, the universe of jazz kind of found you? And um, because most people, you know, especially at 20, don't really know what they want to do um, in, in life. And it seems like you knew early on what it was you wanted to do. Um, which is not, which is not typical. Uh, yeah, well, first I want to say what driven me uh, to this day is, I feel like, yes, the music calls me, but also I always believe that it's, uh, it's God's gift, it's a calling from God, and I'm always thankful that my parents uh, found out about my talent early on in my life and I'm thankful to my parents I'm thankful to uh, to God for the for allowing me to be here to where I am today I'm thankful for the gift and so I feel like it's I, I take it as a responsibility to share with the world and it's uh, it's been a blessing, really, and to to share my own work. It's yeah, I feel blessed. Your temperament seems so you seem like such a, like such a mellow guy, which I think is a great a great thing for a jazz player. You it's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Oh, you know, 
sometimes things are not always mellow, but yeah, I try to keep it, you know. In, <laughs> I can't see you yeah. getting uh, getting angry at stuff. You just seem like you have a good good head on your shoulders. Yeah, I like to see things in you know in a positive way, but you know, you know, of course, you know, in the world that we live is not always you know positive. And of course, not to mention, you know, as a instrumentalist, the or in jazz, the challenges that we face uh, musically are also in the music industry. Of course, we face pressures. We all do. What's the best way to handle the the pressures of life? What's your What's your approach to not freaking out? I mean, I do freak out. Meaning, you know, we all have this stage stage fright. I don't now, but you know we have that uh, anxiousness. I won't say anxiety. We have anxiety, but that anxious to know what people will say or what you know. We have those feelings and what they will write about you. All those things you know can affect you in your music, but I try not to let that affect me. And I'm thankful for the support that I have for my parents and you know my faith keeps me you know grounded it has helped me to uh think better and the way I see the world and how I deal with people and how you know I can be a better person walking with God and just yeah I mean it's not easy I think for a young person uh such as myself you know we all face that especially performing uh professionally you know at the age that i you know performing at the grammys you know for some people it can be too much yeah pressure to take well it's a lot of pressure playing at the grammys that's that's a big deal for anybody yes it is a big deal and sometimes yeah it can be too much but yeah, I think that those are the things, as I was saying just now, that has helped me to to continue and to uh, to be thankful for those uh, big moments or monumental. This performing at the Grammys was monumental for me, and also, you know, when I got the invitation to play uh, at Jazz Center, Center, Gala, Winston. Marsalis had me for their 2014 gala, and of course, everybody knows that they can open the way for me, for my musical career in the U.S. Have you built friendships with people in the industry, like other players, other musicians? Yeah, I try, not all of them, but yeah, I try to you know, build relationships because it's important to have networking when you whatever music industry we are on, it's important to build relationships. And uh, of course, when I'm with my musician friends and when we perform it, we build relationships too. We share stories, we, uh, as we play music too, we build a bond, we build a relationship. So it is important. And your friends that are your own age, that aren't musicians, where are those guys? Do you get a chance to hang out with those people? <laughs> <laughs> I try, you know, like with my family sometimes, you know, they cannot relate to everything that I'm doing. Uh, I try to relate to those who are at my age, but of course the musicians that I play with, and I don't like to use comparison with the age difference. I don't like that because I always see that you know, we play music, we're on the same boat, and we play music, people don't see the age. This is about creating music. You've made a beautiful album, and I, uh, your career is something to marvel at. And um, congratulations on, on a, you know, a remarkable piece of work. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, you know, I'm happy that I'm always excited Whenever I get to share a new work to the audience, and I'm I'm looking forward to perform the music live. Uh, hopefully, I can go to more places.
uh, reach out to more people. And yeah, it's amazing. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and chatting with me. It's really, really cool to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm always, you know, always have this thing that I want to impose to people, you know, so as I can advise as instrumentalists, we don't see this, but I think, I, I feel like our songs are the pillars of our music. And I feel like it's always important to live your life and live to tell your stories to music. That helps you a lot. It's, I think it's, you know, music is something's healing, you know, it's really spiritual it's, and definitely helps people, whatever they're going to, music really helps. And I hope my music can do just that. Joey, thank you for your time. And uh, I'll see you uh, in at the shows in January. I'll come to one of those. Yeah, I appreciate talking with you, Alex. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, hope to see you soon. nice guy that joey alexander i hope you enjoyed that i certainly did that was a very cool conversation very focused i was surprised by the van halen bit but i was pleasantly surprised i didn't expect him to say he was a van halen fan but it makes sense virtuosos like other virtuosos it does check joeyalexandramusic.net is where you need to go to find out what's happening with joey he tours a lot you can go there and buy the Continuance album, buy all of his albums. They're all amazing. And they're available on all formats. So pick up a vinyl copy of Continuance. Think how cool that'll look in your house. You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor, or you can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast, or email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Don't forget to check out BombshellRadio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. And one more thing not to forget, not that you would, but Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. We would certainly appreciate it. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Blue from Joey Alexander's brand new marvelous album, Continuance. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio.